So last week we were on a really exciting subject, weren't we? How to stride through that narrow door, that narrow gate. Yeah. Jesus Christ has been going through with us for weeks now because we've been reading what words he had to describe what it is we need to do to strive through that narrow gate. He's given us the definitions. Not me, not you, not your church theology, nothing else but what he said, this is what you've got to do. And when we do that, and when we just don't do anything to the words that he spoke, don't try and twist it into our theology, don't try and twist it into our church doctrine, then we know exactly what we're hearing is the truth. And that's what we're going to continue doing. And we got to last week where we found out, and we got to the point where he was going to tell us that it was going to be a few, didn't we? Because our focal verses are Matthew 7, 13 and 40. We're going to read them in a minute. But he said it's going to be a few. And then he went on to define why it's going to be a few. And we're going to get into that this week. Because the title's a bit of a clue, isn't it? The abhorrence and horror of false prophets. He gave us a clue. He told us exactly why it's going to be a few walking in to the kingdom. Do you understand that? This is not a physical gate he's talking about. It's a spiritual gate. It's a spiritual entrance into his coming earthly kingdom. And we've seen it for weeks now that he's defining the people that get in there. Not you. Not your pastor. Not me. Not anybody else. But he is the defining factor. He's got the checklist. He's taking it off as you come along and you say, Oh yeah, I heard what you had to say, Jesus. But what I had to say and the way I had to do it is far more important than the way you said. Oh yeah? Well, you ain't getting in. I don't care how sincere you are. I don't care how long you've been believing that. I don't care how many people and how many zeros as a number that are believing whatever you're believing. We have got to go by what he said. And what we're guaranteed when we do that is, number one, we're going to be hearing the truth. What's coming out of my mouth isn't necessarily true. What's coming out of your mouth or any other doctor so-and-so or reverend so-and-so isn't necessarily true. It's only true if it's backed up with the strength of the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the context, understanding where it's been used before, understanding that it fits into the doctrine holistically throughout the word. So it's really, really going to be exciting for us. But it's going to be painful. <laughs> yeah, Because it's not what you and I want to hear. You don't want to hear striving. I don't want to hear striving. I don't want to hear tough, hard to get through it. And it's only going to be a few. It's going to be an elite crowd. And you may, may, may or may not be in it. We don't want to hear that. Because we want everyone to get in it. We're going to see that when we go to the Word today. The first verse we get into. God wants everyone in it. But he ain't going to get everyone in it through that narrow gate. Why? Because they refuse to do what's required to do. This is not rocket science. I think I said that before. It's not rocket science. Just do what Jesus Christ said to do to qualify to getting through that narrow gate. And guess what? You and I will get through it. But it takes you doing something. It takes me doing something by the grace of God to get there. Look at 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2, 3. Now this is God's will. This is God. He's not trying to build an elite group. He's not trying to build a small group, a little group with a few in it. Scriptures are really clear on that. But that's what he's going to get. Why do we know that? Because Jesus Christ said it was. He said it's going to be a few that are willing to pay the price. It's going to be a few that are going to be willing to agonize and go the hard way to get through this narrow gate. Verse 3. This is good. And it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior who desires all people to be saved. Now, you're immediately superimposing your theology on that as, what, as to what saved is. But you've got to go back and understand what saved and salvation is from the scripture. We're not going to do that today. <laughs> but you can do it on our website if you want. Go back on there and listen to it. Okay. People to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. There's one mediator. Yeah? But do you realize that most of Christianity today is not using him as a mediator? We're going to see that as we get into this. Now, the many, as I say, are already superimposing what it means to be saved. And we can't do that. Right? Because often it's used in the scripture 
referring to a future event in the coming out of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and it's our inheritance to come. Yeah? So I want us to see here that Jesus and God want the redeemed to enter the narrow gate. Do you see that? He wants them all to enter it. Yeah? But we're going to see why it's going to be few. Or why it's going to be few. So let's read our focal verses. As I said, we're going to do this. So Matthew 7.13 says, Enter by the narrow gate. Have you heard that before? Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy, that leads to destruction. So if you're going on the easy route, if you're going a really wide, you're on a wide path to a wide gate, guess what? You're heading for loss. You're heading for destruction. That's what the scriptures say. And so often we talk about, you know, we've got to make the gospel relevant. We've got to package it in such a way. We get everybody in. Well, showing them an easy way and a wide way is not the way to do that. Jesus Christ is true, and he is. Yeah? But look at the next part. And those who enter it are what? Many, many, many. Yeah, so the majority is going through that wide gate. Verse 14. For the gate is what? Narrow. The gate is narrow. Now, we're at a time where we eat too much. Yeah? So you might have to go on a diet. But you might have to narrow your focus down to see what it is Jesus Christ is talking about here. And we've been doing it for weeks now. We've been from Matthew chapter 5 and Jesus Christ has defined for us exactly what it is that you and I need to do and what you and I need to change in order to fit through this narrow gate. But it's hard. Do you understand? It's not easy. It's not wide. There's not a lot of people on it. There's not a lot of people on the path to the narrow gate. So you're not going to get elbowing, people elbowing you. You might find there's loads of room. Yeah? Because there's so few on it. Because there's so few wanting to choose the narrow way. There's so few wanting to agonize. Oh no, I'll agonize? No, no, I've been to that church. I want to go to this church. This church is easy. Oh, they've got flashing lights. They've got smoke on the screen. On the screen. They've got stage set. They're doing wonderful plays at, at Christmas time. Oh, this is the way to go. If, if you want to know Jesus, boy, this is so much easier. You want to <laughs> avoid that like the plague. Don't you? According to this verse. You want to avoid it like a plague? No, no. I don't want to go to that church if they're making it easy. Because there's a clue in what Jesus Christ said. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be easy. So don't go anywhere where it's easy. But guess what? You'll have loads of chairs to fill when you do that. Yeah? Because it's not a popular message. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to what? Life. And those who find it are what? Few. 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 Yeah? So on one hand we see God wanting everyone to enter in. That's God's desire. We saw that. Yet on the other hand, we have Jesus informing us here, despite God's will that everyone enters in, they won't be willing to do what it takes. Yeah? And we should be immediately asking, why is that? Why is it in one place God desires you know, everyone to be in, and it doesn't turn out the way he wants it. And there has to be a huge reason why that happens. There has to be a massive reason if the creator of heaven and earth has depicted in the scripture that he wants everyone saved and coming to knowledge of the truth, and it doesn't happen. There's got to be an absolutely massive reason why it doesn't happen. Yeah, and we're going to see it. We're going to see what that huge truth is today. Right? So every one of us will go out of here today, listening to it on the internet, wherever you're listening to it, we will know why it is going to be a few. And it ain't going to be me telling you why it's going to be a few. It's going to be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Yeah? So guess what we're going to do? We've got to need to read the next verse. I know it's tough, but he did say it was going to be hard. But, but we're going to need to read the next verse of how he describes the very next breath that he takes, the very next words that he speaks, after he said, yeah, it's narrow, it's, it's going to be hard, there's going to be few that's going to do it. The very next verse he says in verse 15, beware of false prophets. So why do we have God on one side telling us, yeah, I want everyone in, I want everyone to get this kingdom, and we've got Jesus on the other side, yeah, yeah, that is God's will. He does want that, but they're not going to make it. 
because they're not going to choose the narrow gate. And they're not going to choose the narrow gate because of false prophets. Now immediately in your mind and in my mind, we've got this picture in our mind of what a false prophet is. And believe me, it's nothing like the picture you have in your mind. I can almost guarantee that 100% that it's totally different to what you've got in your head. Because yeah? the picture we've got in our heads very often are these guys that you see on TV. Yeah, I can think of one right now. I saw it last week. This guy is selling, in the name of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, little, water, little spring water sachets. Send me, you know, send me your name, send me your address, I'll send you this sachet. And this sachet will heal you. And this sachet will give you all the abundance in your life. You'll never have any more worries. Just send for it. He doesn't ask for money. He only asks for money when he sends it to you. But he's only asking for $20, for goodness sake. Don't be so stingy. That's hardly the narrow way. That's hardly going to be tough for you. It's only $20. It's a cup of Starbucks. But there's millions of people doing that. So guess what? $20 gets multiplied. Last year, he made $23 million. He's trying, and the, the reporter's trying to report on this, trying to, get him into, trying to get the microphone into his Porsche to talk to him, and he drives off to his $2.5 million home. Now, that's a picture we all have, isn't it? Oh, he's a false prophet. You do not need a degree in theology to figure out he's a false guy. But he's not the false prophets talked about here by Jesus Christ. You only need half a brain to figure out he's a, he's a false prophet. You don't even need to be in the church to figure out, that guy's a ripoff. Yeah? Oh, I might start doing that. Yeah, that sounds a good business plan to me. But he's not the person, he's not the type of people that Jesus Christ is speaking about here. Why? Because as I said earlier, you only need half a brain to figure out who he is. And believe me, I don't care how much of a brain you have, you will not figure out who these guys are. Don't think you can. We're going to see it today. Yeah. They are so closely aligned to the truth of the gospel, you cannot tell them apart. That's the words of Jesus Christ we're going to read today. Yeah. Don't worry about the ones you can figure out. Be firmly focused on the ones you cannot figure out. They're the ones Jesus Christ is talking about. And look at that. Beware of false. They, they, they're, they're masters in the art of misimpression. Yeah, these guys. That's what they're, that's what they're masters of. And they're not, they're not teaching a gospel that's so far out. Because we're going to see it as we get closer and as, as we get closer to these end times. And we start to define what the gospel actually is. And we've done that because we allowed Jesus Christ to do it. It's the gospel of the inheritance in his earthly kingdom. Guess how they're going to be, what they're going to align themselves with? That! Because if I can get aligned with it, so close to it, that nobody can pry me apart from it, they can then twist that. And we're going to see it today. That's exactly what we do. So just because you hear the gospel of the kingdom, just because you hear somebody preaching about the kingdom, just because you hear somebody preaching the dead are in fact dead, doesn't mean that you don't have to be wary of what the end outcome of their teaching is. Yeah? Because we've seen the outcome of what Jesus is teaching us in the last few chapters, haven't we? Change! Yeah? Change! You're going to have people teaching the gospel of the kingdom and you're still going to tell people they don't need to change. Yeah? We're going to see it. Verse 16. You. Yeah? Those who are entering the narrow gate. He's not talking to those outside of the church, those outsiders, right? Because what he said was, they're going to come, prior to that, they're going to come in sheep's clothing, aren't they? But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. So what do you see? What do I see? We see the sheep's clothing. I love Jesus. You love Jesus. You're in the body of Christ? Oh, I'm in the body of Christ. You're a brother? I'm a brother. You're a, how long does it go on for? You're a sister. Yeah? We're all in the club. We're all together with Jesus. We're going to see some people 
in, uh, before we finish today, who did exactly the same thing. Hold on, Lord. Did you hear that word? Lord. I'm in with you, Jesus. I, I'm part of your club. <laughs> He's going to say, hold on. I didn't get your membership. Your form didn't make it on the internet. I, I didn't get your name. I don't even know you. Why? Why? This is part of the reason. Verse 16. You. Will. Future tense. We're going to see why it's future tense. You will recognize them by their fruit. See the guy in the Porsche? <laughs> yeah, you don't need some spiritual insight. Yeah, You don't need to say, oh yeah, look at the fruit of that guy. Yeah, that's what he is. He's a false prophet. Don't worry about him. He's the least of your worries. Yeah? Discount him without a thought. You're going to see who we've got to be aware of. And try to be aware of. But when are we going to recognize them by their fruit? That's what we're going to nail today. Because that's what Jesus Christ nailing right here. Will, future tense, recognize them by their fruits? Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Now I said last week, no you won't. Remember that? No, you won't recognize them by the fruit because we're going to see when that actually happens. When we're going to be recognizing them by their fruits is going to be a fantastic enlightenment for most of us. Yeah. So, believe me, you don't need to be the Apostle Paul right, to figure out some of these people. And they're, they're so prevalent in Christianity today. You can just switch on your TV and listen to them. If they're not sending you spring water, they're sending you manna, bread, from Safeway, that they've prayed over. It's, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah? You know, a, kid, a child could figure out these guys. They could say, oh, oh Dad, I wouldn't, do, I wouldn't send that $20. There was one person on there who had sent $20 to the extent of $5,000. You'd think they'd have figured out when they first send the first 20, nothing happened. Oh well, yeah, but I'll keep going. You understand? Absolutely ridiculous. Right? Verse 17. Now every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Is that today? No, it's not today. It's starting to give us a clue. starting to build a little bit of the context. starting to throw in a few things that we should be thinking about here. Yeah? Verse 20. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. That's sandwiched right in between what's thrown into the fire, isn't it? And what's coming up. So don't forget that. Don't just zoom off into your theological idea that you're going to know them today. You are not, and I am not, going to know the, the specific false prophets that Jesus Christ is talking about here today. But there is a day that he's going to tell us when we will figure them out. Verse 21. Now here's a clue. Think about this as you're reading it. When is this? When is this? Because that's what we're trying to figure out, isn't it? When are we going to recognize them by their fruits? Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, yeah, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. What's the context? The context is people shouting at him at the door to the kingdom shouting, Lord, Lord. There's a clue there. When we're going to recognize them by their fruits, there's a clue. He's holding, he's holding them back at the door and he's saying, hold on. And they're saying, yeah, I'm holding. But hurry up, I want to get in. He said, and they're shouting, Lord, Lord. Yeah? And he said to them, oh no, not everybody that shouts that to me on that day are going to enter the kingdom. But do you realize, that's against 99% of the Christian doctrine today. They tell you, if you put your hand up in the meeting, give your heart to Jesus, do Romans 10, 9 and 10, you're in. Hallelujah, let's have a party. Get the party, party poppers out. And let's eat, drink, and be merry. Because I'm getting in. There's nothing else I need to do. It's easy. Oh, I knew it would be. Because I prayed last night, it would be easy. And God's answered my prayer. I found that church. 
You've got to get out of that church so quick. We're going to see it from Jesus Christ himself. So he's saying, there they are, Lord, Lord. But he's saying, no, no. So Lord, Lord is not the access into the kingdom. Do you see that? A lot of part of the Irish. But, but, I couldn't capitalize. But, the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. What's he talking about? Chapter 5, verse 1 started it off. Yeah. And if you don't know what that means, go back and listen to it. Go back and read chapter 5, verse 1, and do exactly what he said to do. Then you will be walking in the will of the Father. Because he defined it. Yeah. Look at verse 22. Hold on. <laughs> on that day. Did you hear that? But we don't. For the most part, we don't hear the words of Jesus Christ. And if we do hear them, we think, oh yeah, but you know, this is far superseded by the words of the Apostle Paul. Because Jesus, he's asking you to do something. If there was one person that walked the face of the earth, that sure did ask us to do something. It was Jesus Christ. And that was reflected in the words of the Apostle Paul. Do you know why I know that? He spoke the exact same gospel. It's the twisting of theology today that has twisted his words into, quote, a grace gospel. This is more of a, quote, grace gospel than anything. In order to do the stuff that Jesus Christ is asking us to do in this context, you are going to have to have so much grace on your life. I am going to have to have so much grace on my life to be able to do it. But they forget that. They build these walls. Yeah. On that day. On that day. Look at the next word. Many. So the majority are saying to him, but we should be asking, what, what day is he talking about? He's going to tell us. And he told us earlier, it's what? The entrance into the kingdom. That's the day. It's the day of the resurrection. On that day, many will say to me, hold up, what's the first words out of the mouth again? Lord! Lord! I've made you Lord. We're going to see this coming up. Did we not prophesy in your name? And did, did we not cast out devil spirits in your name? Everybody saw it. All saw these devil spirits coming out in the name of Jesus Christ. We did all that. Fantastic. And did we also not do all the mighty works in your name? All these healings, Jesus, in your name. All these signs, miracles and wonders. And we gathered a whole group around us because of all that. We built a massive church. And they're all shouting, Lord, as well. In your name. Verse 23. And then will I declare to them. Do you notice? He's saying, okay, they've been doing all the declaring up to now. <laughs> yeah? They've been shouting, Lord, Lord. They haven't given me a word in. Allow me to get a word in here. But then, when after they've blown their trumpets. Remember that? After they've blown their trumpets. After they've told me all the great stuff that they've done in my name. He says, then I'm going to declare to them. That's when it should go silent. <laughs> what's coming up next? Because what's coming up next is the truth. Yeah? I don't care what you believe. I don't care what I believe. What's coming up next is the truth. What we just read about them shouting, Lord, Lord, is not the truth. Why do we know that? Because they don't get into the kingdom. They don't make it. So what they said was a lie. What they said might have happened, but it didn't happen through the way Jesus Christ asked them to do it. Yeah? And then I'm going to declare to them, I never knew you. Hold on. Jesus, hold on. Lord, Lord. I'm shouting, Lord, Lord. I'm doing all these things in your name. We're going to come back to this section in a minute. But he said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. So when are these guys being revealed? Because believe me, you and I, analyzing one of these guys, they're shouting, Lord, Lord. They're doing casting out of devil spirits in his name. They're doing many mighty works in his name. They will be magnified above you and I in this life. What do you think? I mean, how many devil spirits have you cast out in the last few months? How many mighty miracles, miraculous miracles have you done in the last few months? Yeah. 
You understand? This is not easy to figure out. And we've got to see it. Why it's not easy to figure out? It's going to take the angels out of heaven to figure this out. And we think we're so smart. We turn on the TV. Oh, that's spring water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got him nailed. I know, I know him by his fruits. No, you don't. You know, as I said, take an idiot to figure that out. Yeah? But this guy, I mean, he's shouting at Jesus here. He's adamant. He's getting in. Yeah? And he doesn't get it. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 13. Each one's work will, it will become manifest. For the day. <laughs> the what? The day will disclose it. That's where it's going to be disclosed. It's on the day. Because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Oh, hold on. You mean there's something for me to do? Yes. Yes, and whatever you do will be tested. Tim's a school teacher. He's used for that. We hate tests. Tim probably does too. <laughs> yeah. But it's tests. What you do is going to be tested. So at the gate, there he is. Big long toilet roll. Okay. This was your answer to that test. Yeah. But do you realize that gate happens in an indivisible moment of time? Don't ever forget that. This is not a linear event. And he's going through everything you've done in your life. And, oh, you know, six months later. Where are you from? Oh, well, I was originally born in Stornoway. Uh, oh, it's going to be eight months before I get to you. That ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> Why? Because it's a spiritual event that happens in an indivisible moment of time and you will suddenly be in the kingdom, according to Daniel 12.2, or you won't, depending on what you've done. Yeah? We just read it. No, don't, don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. Work for each one has what? Done. It's a clue. Verse 14. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. We've been seeing that, haven't we? We saw it last week. You get a reward when you don't shout about what you're doing, when you're not hypocritical, when you forgive others, when you're supposed to forgive them. You will receive a reward. Fantastic. Verse 15. If anyone's work is burned up, is that available? Absolutely. He will what? Suffer loss. Do you remember the disgrace? That's the loss this is talking about. Though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. So, guess what? We have to wait for the day. We may not like that. We may not like that, but to wait, we have to wait for the day before we can distinguish between the false prophets in sheep's clothing and those who are those with sheep's clothing on who are ravenous wolves on the inside. We're going to have to wait. Now, Jesus confirms this in this next parable that we're going to briefly look at. Now just watch, who does the separating of the false and the genuine? There's a, there's a clue there. Who does the separating of the false and the genuine? And it certainly isn't you. And it certainly isn't me. Today, that's absolutely for sure. Matthew 13, 24. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. So the context here is the same as chapter 7 of Matthew, isn't it? It's the kingdom. Don't lose that. It's not talking about a farmer throwing out seeds. It's talking about the kingdom. It's talking about something that's going to happen as a future event yeah, for all of us. This is talking about the coming earthly kingdom right here on earth. Now don't, don't miss out a very important point here in verse 24. We just read over it. This is a man sowing good seed. Yeah? We should be immediately asking, what the heck is good seed? What's the good seed? Well, verse 19 of that same parable which is the parable of the soils, makes it very clear what the seed is. Verse 19. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, so what are we dealing with? We're dealing with the word of the kingdom. That, that word of the kingdom is not a Bible verse. Do you understand? It's what Jesus Christ depicted as his coming earthly kingdom here on earth. It's not just a verse that you one, night, one Friday night you decided to pluck up the courage to talk to your friend about and you throw him a verse and then on Saturday morning after his hangover oh he's forgotten that verse oh the devil plucked that word of the kingdom no he didn't the word of the kingdom is the doctrinal teaching 
of what Jesus Christ taught while he was here on earth. The coming earthly kingdom of Jesus Christ on earth. And if your pal has not heard that, he's not getting anything plucked out of his head. So when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, ever been there? And does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that which was sown in his heart. Now get this right. This is talking about the redeemed. This is talking about a redeemed person who's been redeemed by God, hearing the word of the kingdom. Just get a picture of Jesus Christ when he was talking to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He would talk to them about the word of the kingdom. And when they started to understand it, what the devil did then was he tried to pluck the truth of that out of their lives. It's the same thing for us. We're talking to the redeemed about the word of the kingdom. And what does Satan do? He tries to get it out. He tries to pluck it out. But how does he do that? We're starting to see how he does it. We're starting to see it's by false prophets. It's not by the occult. It's not by that guy on the TV station I spoke about earlier. Although he does help. It's by the schemes and methods of Satan on this earth that he tries to pull that out of people's hearts. This is that which was sown along the path. Has he made it clear? Are we all clear on that point? Yeah. Because remember when we read in 6.13, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver, deliver us from the evil one. That's where the deliverance has to come. Because it's the evil one instigating through the systems and methods of this earth to make sure that that word of the kingdom is pulled out. But it's through the religious systems. That's his first priority. It's through the religious systems of this earth that he does that. Because if you haven't figured this out yet, the outsiders couldn't care less. So the seed is defined as the word of the kingdom, and the evil one is out to snatch that word of the kingdom out of people's heart. And we've got to make sure we understand who the people are. The people are the redeemed of God. That's who it's referring to. Because Matthew 13, 24, look at 13, 24, tells us right there. The man said he sowed the seed into his field. So he's sowing the seed into the field of the redeemed. Yeah? Because they're his. They've been bought by Christ. They've been bought in that redemption. And he's now sowing the seed of the kingdom in among the redeemed. They're into his field. But we're going to see here that Satan, through the false prophets, steals that word of the kingdom out of their hearts. And it's redeemed hearts. Don't forget that. Now remember why we're looking at these sections. Because what we're seeing is that you will recognize them by their fruits. Don't, don't lose that as we're going through this. Because that's, what, that's the objective of today, is to figure out when we do that, when we recognize them by their fruits, mentioned in chapter 7. Right? And we're starting to see it's not going to happen until the day of the resurrection. We're starting to see the whole context in which Jesus Christ is depicting the revelation of these false prophets, those in sheep's clothing who are ravenous wolves, is on the day of the resurrection. Not today. Matthew 13, 25. But while his men were sleeping, right, the enemy came and sowed weeds darnel among the wheat and went away. I love, I love the way God puts that in there. All they had to do was sow the seed. But you notice, they didn't hang about with the seed. They say, oh yeah, these seeds are going to need some help. No, these seeds will do fine on their own. <laughs> they went away. In other words, we don't see this, these, these uh, evil ones. They're gone. They're invisible. But they've sowed the seed. Where? Into his field. Into the field of Jesus Christ. Into the field of the redeemed. And they're growing, starting to grow up. They're starting to ferment. Yeah? We're going to see it alongside them. Now, there's some really interesting information out there of what the darnell which is weeds and darnell were weeds in, in Syria essentially a large part of that eastern part of the world there were a weed that grew up with the wheat but you couldn't tell them apart <laughs> yeah so you couldn't walk uh, walk past a field and say oh there's a whole field of darnell there no you couldn't tell them apart because they're growing up with the wheat and it wasn't until the wheat bore fruit yeah the wheat kernels got to a certain stage that you could actually tell them what the darnell were. Because the darnell's head started dropping. 
But only on that day when the fruit was born, when the harvest time was ready. There's all these are clues to you guys. I hope you're catching them. I'll be here all day if you're not. Wheat are growing. Harvest is coming. Get in that picture of the D-Day. The harvest is coming. The fire's getting stoked up. For all this work that come to nothing, that was built on nothing, is going to be revealed. But what effect does that Darnell have? If somebody comes along before that harvest day and digests it, you think, oh, I'm starving. I'm going to make some of that bread that Anne makes so well. Yeah. But I'm going to, I, I can't wait for that harvest. I'm going to have some bread now. There's some of that wheat. Oh, that wheat looks lovely. There's some of that Darnell. That looks just like wheat. That'll do. I'm going to make some bread. It was poisonous. It was poisonous. And I noted down there for you, I think it's in your notes, some of the effects of Darnell. I'm not going to go through all these. I'm going to zip through them. Because I just like... And the reason I'm doing this is just superimpose this on so many in the church, okay? Here's the effect of this Darnell when it was digested. So this weed, bear in mind, it's identical. But when you digest it, this is what happens. Now... I don't want you shouting out any names, yeah? But think about the church today. Sleepiness, drowsiness, hypnotic episodes, convulsions, drunkenness, intoxications. Yeah, you might have been to a party last night. But it looked like that. I know you weren't, but some people probably were. Trembling, inability to walk, hindered speech, vomiting, stupefaction, dim sightedness, giddiness, apathy. I think that one, apathy, is so huge. Because the stuff that we've been going through for weeks now, people are so apathetic to it. Oh, it's just Jesus talking. Take it easy. Yeah. All your past sins have been taken care of. These ones you're doing today, these current sins, taken care of. These future ones that you're going to do tomorrow and next week and next month, taken care of. That's apathy. Because they're not listening. Are they? They're not listening to the work you have done. They've so shrouded it with theology now and made it so easy for people that they don't recognize the words of our only Lord and Savior. How apathetic can you get? You can't get any more apathetic than that. I even put a little picture in there for you so you can see it. Verse 26. So when the plants came up and bore grain, back in the field again, Right? We're back in the middle of the field. But they're growing, aren't they? And this is depicting the church. This is depicting you and I growing up towards the day of the resurrection. So when the day the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. So they're growing up alongside us. But you see, we're all growing together. In the club. Remember the club I spoke about earlier? Lord, Lord. Oh yeah, I'm in that club. Oh yeah. This is depicting these guys. Do you understand? Because the guys who were talking to Jesus were outside of the kingdom. They were outside of the kingdom. But it was the effect of the false prophets in the field that left them there. Not that they specifically were false prophets, but the effect of the false prophets is what left them outside of the kingdom. But really important that we see they're growing up alongside us. Verse 27. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did, not, did you not sow good seed? Hey, hold on. Master, was it not good seed you uh, sowed in there? What was the good seed? The word of the kingdom. Don't forget that. The good seed is the word. So what God depicts here as being good is the word of the kingdom. It's not necessarily what the guy outside the gate is shouting Lord, Lord all about. You understand? What was he talking about? Signs, miracles, and wonders, casting out devil spirits, prophesying, all that stuff. All great stuff. Not saying that. But it wasn't declared to be the good seed. Because the good seed is the word of the kingdom. So, did, it, did you not sow good seed in your field? Was it not your field, Jesus? Or the sower, who's depicted as Jesus? Did, well, did you not sow that good seed into your field? So how come all this stuff's here? Abbreviation for the next part of the verse. How then does it have weeds? 
If you sowed good seed in there, Jesus, the white word of the kingdom, how come the weeds are there? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. <laughs> I love the way he says this. An enemy has done this. Yeah. The Darnell, the false prophets who are growing up alongside of us have been put there by the enemy. But don't look anywhere else. That's where they are. And we should now be asking, how has the enemy done this? And it's right here. We're just reading it. He's done it through false prophets growing up as weeds among us. So they're growing up inside the church. They're twisting the scripture. They're telling people, you know, once saved, always saved. Just do a verse. You'll be okay. You get an inheritance. And you're off ski. Yeah, you're away to the kingdom. And they're not. Because we're reading them in Matthew 7, where they're shouting, Lord, Lord, we did everything we were told to do by our church pastor. And what are we doing out here? You're doing out here because you never did what I said to do. You didn't go the street and narrow gate. You didn't agonize. You didn't change. You're outside. But what does it mean to be outside, guys? We're going to see it probably next week. It's horrendous. That's why in the title I put Horror of False Prophets. It's absolutely horrendous what's coming up for the redeemed who are outside the kingdom. And just for your intellectual stimulant, abhorrence, what's the meaning of that? It means disgusting. Now, it's a biblical word, by the way. And we're going to see where it's used in, in Scripture. We're not, not, probably not today. It's repugnant. And it's the extreme hatred. Yeah. So we're going to see how that all fits in eventually. Yeah. So they're telling the, these, these false prophets, hey, hold on, there's no kingdom. You're going to heaven when you die. You'll be okay. Or You don't need to strive. Just take it easy. Put your feet up. For goodness sake, Jesus did it all for you. What are you talking about? You think you can better Jesus' work? Ever heard that? I have. You think you can do better than Jesus did? We're not teaching that. We're not teaching that. We're teaching, do what he said. And let me ask you, if Jesus did it all, why is Jesus asking us to do so much? That's a good question, isn't it? Oh, you mean Jesus did it all? Yeah. That means I don't need to do anything? Well, that's the implication. If he did it all, thank you, Jesus. And that's where they are, for the most part, thanking Jesus for doing it all. And he's shouting from the other side of the king, you should have done what I asked you to do. And they're going, hold on, I thought he did it all. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Jesus makes it clear there's something for us all to do. We've been reading it for weeks now. Now watch these next. Just watch what comes up next here. So the servant said to him, this is so important now. So the servants said to him, oh, really? The enemy did that? Oh, I can't stand that enemy. Okay, that's what we'll do. Do you want us to go and gather up these Darnell then? So the weeds are taken out of, of the field and that will leave the wheat growing up on its own, perfectly healthy. We don't need to worry about them. Which you think would be a great solution, wouldn't you? Not according to Jesus. Now, gather them. We need to be clear who the them are. Yeah, It's the false prophets, isn't it? In sheep's clothing, the weeds who are growing up alongside us. And then in verse 29, but he said. But he said. Yeah. And we need to, I should have put that in capitals, large uppercase text. But he said. We need to get back to that. Yeah. Because what's, what's he saying, that's important. But he said, no. Don't even think about doing that. Yeah. Lest in gathering the weeds... These false prophets, these, these ones that are causing all the havoc, you root up the wheat along with them. So, it ain't going to happen. You and I are not going to be able to root them up. Yeah, she's told us. No, no, don't. Because you, you can't tell them apart. Because if he, they could tell them apart, he probably said, yeah, go ahead. But he couldn't. They were so closely aligned to the wheat, these servants couldn't tell them apart. Do you see that? 
And the wheat are where? The wheat are along with them. Do you see that? The wheat are along with them. Now look around your life. Do you see any darnel? That's what I said at the beginning. You think you do, but you don't. Do you understand? They're so closely aligned to the real wheat that you can't tell them apart. So if it was now that we saw the fruit, we could weed them out ourselves, couldn't we? We could weed them out ourselves. But we cannot tell them apart. And here the servants are told, no, leave them alone. Why? Why did Jesus say to leave them alone? Because the servants are told, it will be the angels at the end of the age that will do the weeding. Now we should be so relieved because I hate weeding. But why? Because they're so close to the genuine, it will take the angels to weed them out. That's why. It's going to take the angels. Verse 30. Let both grow together. When? Until the harvest. Until the harvest. And at harvest time, you see that? The day of the resurrection, I will tell the reapers. Who does the telling? He does. But he said, remember, he does. He tells the angels who they are. Why do you think that is? Because he's the only one who knows. Yeah? It takes him defining them in order to weed them out. And then he's going to tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in burdens to be burned. And gather the wheat into my barn. Do you remember Daniel 12 too? Yeah, that's what's happening. In Daniel 12 too, the redeemed are resurrected in the first resurrection to life and to abhorrence. We see this. So huge in the scripture. But we've got to understand that these are redeemed people. They're not outsiders. They're not people who haven't been redeemed by God. Because there's so much confusion in the church to understanding how the redeemed can do this. Do you understand? It was the redeemed that crucified Jesus Christ. In Romans it tells us that redeemed are the enemies of God. In certain circumstances. Yeah? So don't get tricked by thinking everything's contingent on being redeemed. Sure isn't. But do you see also here that they suffer great loss? And the loss is great. The loss breaks your heart. Matthew 7, 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the deceased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, or nor can a deceased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Do you see that's the same context as in chapter 13? Understand? It's the same context. It's showing us trees getting cut down, trees getting burned, the separation of good and bad, of uh, wheat and darnel. Same context. Verse 20. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. So the question again is when? Yeah. Well, now we know. It's that day, the day of the resurrection, when we will see them for what they are. And we will see and recognize them for their fruits. Yeah. Because we're just about to read about some of them here. We're about to throw a whole pile of their fruit at the Lord. You got that picture? <laughs> throwing apples, oranges, and bananas. Right? They're throwing their fruit at the Lord, and He's not accepting their fruit. Right? Their fruit stinks, as far as He's concerned. And we should be asking why. Because the fruit these redeemed are going to throw at Jesus sounds like great fruit to you and I. Sounds fantastic. Because we read it earlier, didn't we? Didn't see anything wrong with that fruit. Couldn't see anything that that fruit could be deemed to be rotten other than he said it was rotten. Because <laughs> to him it meant absolutely nothing. Again, we should be asking, why not? Why didn't it mean anything to Jesus for these people, these redeemed people shouting, Lord, Lord, we've got all this stuff that we've done and we're still behind this closed gate. Yeah? Look at verse 21. Not everyone, now we've read this earlier, but I want to drill down a little bit. Now everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven. And for weeks now we've been reading Jesus defining what walking in the will of the Father is, haven't we? And we should now be in absolutely no doubt what it is we have to do and what it is we have to do not. Remember we saw the do's and the do nots last week. Yeah? To enter this narrow gate. Now do you remember we saw 
these, these self-same people last week and earlier on in the, in the, today, they were standing outside the slammed shut door of the kingdom, shouting, Lord, Lord, we're ready now. You can open the door. We decided to make it here our way. Yeah. Surely you're going to let us in. After all, we're calling you Lord. We're depicting here all, this, all the great stuff we did. Yeah. Saying we love you, Jesus. And yet he said, no, you're not getting in. Yeah. So it absolutely does matter the way we come. So our understanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is and how we appropriate entrance into his coming out of the kingdom is not a nice to have. Yeah. Oh, forget it. Great. It's not optional. It's mandatory. Because there's only one other option. You know, you're not going to end up halfway into the kingdom. One leg in, one leg out. There's only one way to enter. And it's through that narrow gate. And as I said earlier, the doorkeeper is Jesus Christ. So there's not going to be any sneaking in on the day, is there? You know, get a stamp on your hand or get, get that ticket. Oh no. It's a firm gate. No one's getting in that doesn't deserve to get in. Yeah. He's going to be checking each one of us in a moment of time. In an indivisible moment of time. And he's going to be checking us out from what direction? He's going to be checking us out from the direction that we're coming. The direct, did you come the narrow gate? Or did you come this wide gate? No, it's only those getting in are the ones who have come along this narrow gate. So, so key. Yeah. And you know there's millions of people who are going to pull the wool over their own eyes and say, well, I'll make it anyway. When the cry of Scripture... The cry of our Lord Jesus Christ is, No, you will not. Did you hear that? And yet they will continue in error, thinking God is all love, He's unconditional love, regardless, I'm going to make it in. Totally contradicts what Jesus Christ said. And there's a clue to a false prophet, by the way. A real easy clue, quick check. If they're saying the opposite of what He said, there's a clue. If there's a clue, if somebody says, Yeah, it is easy. Yeah, you don't need to strive. No, you don't need to forgive that brother. You don't need to do, you know, you don't need, it doesn't matter if you're a hypocrite now and again. All that stuff is what we've read, isn't it, over the last few weeks. You ain't going to make it. You're not going to be doing the will of the Father. So let's go to verse 22. Verse 22 says, as we wind up here, On that day, are we all clear now what day that is? Yeah? The day of judgment. The day of the resurrection. The day of the gathering. So we're absolutely clear we're talking about the redeemed here as well. There's no outside. It's not, you know, quote, unbelievers, quote, ungodly. These are people who are redeemed by God on that day. Many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? And yes, they did. There's not been any doubt that they did that. And what did they do? They prophesied. We prophesied in your name. Now just watch this. Because we read this earlier, but I bet you squinted over it. It's in your name, Jesus, we're doing this. Don't forget that. And we cast out demons, did they? Absolutely, yes, they did. But it was in your name, Jesus, that we did it. And we did many mighty works, did they? Absolutely, yes, they did. They did. And they did all of these mighty works in his name. Now, if you're really good at maths, and I know Tim is, yeah, can you count to three? They've thrown that into the face of Jesus Christ three times in one verse. What were they saying? We did it for you, Jesus. We gotta get in. And he's saying, No, you didn't. You didn't come in the direction that I said for you to come. You ain't getting in. I don't care whose name you used. And I know and heard your my name being used. But just because you use my name, just because you say, Lord, Lord, you're not getting in. And I know you heal people. And I know you cast out devil's words. And I know you did many mighty works in my name. But you ain't getting in. Why not? Because he said the direction that they came, the direction that they came was not through the narrow gate. So I don't care. And you and I should not care about all the mighty works that are going on. Do you understand? Because he didn't. 
I'm much more concerned about what we've been learning over the last few weeks. Am I doing what he said to do, to walk in the will of the Father? If the miracles come, great. If the devil's spirits get cast out, great. But I'm focused on this narrow gate, which is striving, which is hard, which is narrow, and there's not many on it. I'm not getting crowded out here. Yeah? That's what we need to be focused on. And if all that other stuff comes, fine. Don't let it be the determining factor that determines where you walk. You understand? So if this wide gate's got all this stuff going on on it, which it does, by the way, yeah, which it does, and it's depicted right here. So this wide gate's got all this stuff going on in his name. And they're all shouting, Jesus. We're all shouting, Lord, Lord, we love you. All shouting, we've all got hands up in the meetings. We've all got our Bibles under our arms. But yet they're teaching your past, current, and future sins are taken care of. So Jesus Christ is in the holiest of holies for absolutely no reason at all. What does that do? What does that do? And look at verse 23. And we saw this earlier. Then I will declare. Then I will declare. He's shouting back at them. They've had their say. Yeah? And up to now, they've been doing all the declaring. I will declare to them. All those on this wide gate, all those, this, all those people on the wide path, he's going to declare to them. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, for most people reading that, that doesn't make any sense. Because they've just thrown at him a whole pile of great works that have been done in his name. And he's saying, no, because you haven't come the direction that I depicted for you to come, I'm classing you now as a worker of lawlessness. This is huge, guys. We have got to figure this out. And hopefully we are figuring it out as we go and listen to what he said yeah, in the scriptures. And what many do within the churches, they're superimposing now all of those people outside of the church on top of this. Because, you know, there's nobody lawless in the church. We're all righteous. We've all got the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at me, he looks at, you know, quote, Christ in me. I'm covered in that righteousness. That now I can walk forward into the kingdom. Hold on a minute. That's not what the scriptures are declaring. Now you would think they would say, well, hold on, Jesus said this. My church says this. I've got to figure this out. They don't. For the most part, they keep going. Why? It's easy. (laughs) It's a whole lot easier to do that than to figure out what Jesus had to do and to do it. We've We've got to get there. And hopefully we're getting there step by step. Yeah. Three your names in one verse. Boy, are they throwing stuff at Jesus' face. So what are they pushing? We did it all for you, Jesus. Why have you shut us out of the kingdom? Well, we did it for you. You may have done it for me, he replies. But you are the workers of lawlessness. It's huge. So let's finish off in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. Did you read that? And does them. Not just hears them. Actually takes some action on it. So it's not just hearing them. Do you see that? We've got to do it. We've got to do it. We've got to instigate that change in our lives. We've got to do what he's been telling us for chapters now to do. Yeah? We'll be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell. And the floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine, and what? Does not do them. Is that available? Yeah, it is. And we now know it's going to be the many doing that. He will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. Do you see it's the same stuff turning up against this guy who built on sand. And the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell 
and that great and great was the fall of it. Next week we're going to get into a little bit more about how great that fall is. Yeah, it's absolutely massive, and we've got to ensure that we're walking on the path that is leading to that narrow gate, and that we are instigating that change, not pointing fingers at those who aren't. Yeah, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to motivate ourselves. We're trying to get ourselves to back to the words of Jesus Christ. Staying away from the twisted scripture of the theology of the day. That twists his word around to say something totally opposite to what he was saying in the scripture. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your word today. Thank you, Father, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that we can continue to walk in this path, Father, day by day. Making decisions for you to stay and to head for that narrow gate. We thank you, Father, for those listening around the world. And thank you, Father, for having called us and that we can have a great week ahead in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.